Good afternoon. Welcome to North Point of View here with Dr. Walter Kimsey's. Walter, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Good to be Just, back. Great. By the way, I was going to ask you, where'd you get that shirt? I really That's like that one. pretty close, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Got the memo. Exactly. Um, Hange sent the memo. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's, it's a recurring theme, but uh, again, this morning in the journal, um, you know, the, the, the threat or, or the worry over recession has been the theme or sub-theme for the last year. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the stock market has been on a run right. for the past year. And so, I mean, for, I, I don't know, just looking at it just very sort of plainly, if we're so worried about a recession, why does the stock market continue to climb? All right. So let's separate why you would worry about a recession into two, two boxes. Okay. This is the baloney stuff. And the other box has got legitimate things to worry about. And uh, legitimate to worry about, but not to commit suicide over, right? There's, a, you know, as you always point out, if there's some bad news or something bad that can happen, what can you do about it now so that it doesn't happen? Right. So well, let's go to the baloney box. Um, retail, consumer spending is 70% of our GDP. The retailers during COVID did, had a lot of fun. People stayed sure. home and they bought yep. stuff they wanted, stuff they needed, stuff they got bored and bought anyways. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some ridi- of that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and so as those retailer sales shot up 20% over an 18-month period, you know, normally you get about a 2% growth on average year on year. Right. So that big jump and all the boats got stuck trying to bring this, the things in. Um, the retailer sales did not come back down. They've kind of stayed up there. Yeah. And when you look at consumer spending habits, as soon as we had enough people survive COVID and get vaccines for COVID, that would be roughly the third quarter of 2021. They started traveling and going out with vengeance. I mean, this yep. year, I can't tell you how many friends have already had five vacations this, this year. Sure. They went on a cruise. They went to yeah. Europe, that Disney World. I mean, Make up like, for lost time. Exactly. Anything but from home. So I thought, okay, this is it. And I'm sure the CEOs at the big retailers also thought, oh, crud. But the sales stayed up there. Yeah. But there is no reason for sales to grow very quickly or even very slowly from where they are because, face it, people got too much stuff. If anything, yeah. I'm going to buy shares in eBay because we know where this stuff is going to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or goodwill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, their warehouses are pretty empty. They've got plenty of room to hold yeah. this stuff. So... Um, I, if I'm a CEO for Walmart or Target or whatever, I'm sitting there biting my nails because the next logical move after the sales did something like this is to go back down to the trend. Sure. Because where the sales are today in 2019, I would have forecast for 2026 to 2028. Yeah, still above the trend line. Yeah, way above. So how do we get back to the trend line? Do we just hang there until the trend line catches up or do we just correct down? And so far that hasn't happened. Um, but in order to explain why their sales weren't growing very quickly, the nonsense from the CEOs and the CFOs spewed to Wall Street is ridiculous. Well, we're in a recession. Right. Uh, that started in March of last year. What recession? 
Okay, well, the consumer is worried about their income. Unemployment rate continued to drop. Right. And uh, by October of 2022, we were above where we had employed people before COVID. Right. And we keep adding jobs and jobs and jobs. Yep. And the unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in 58 years. Right. Okay, so stop lying about the consumer. Right. Oh, it's inflation. Stop that. The retailers, once they had too much stuff come into the stores, they discounted the hell out of it. I was told that was going to happen, so I went to some stores I normally don't go to, like Walmart and etc. And uh, they had huge discounts and all kinds of merchandise. So that's not inflation, okay? I mean, right. price, so where did the prices go up and stay up? And it wasn't food, and you would expect that because there are not that many producers of food, or not that many supermarkets, and so they all learn to take a steak. I used to be able to buy a couple of ribeyes, bone-in ribeyes, for about 10, 12 bucks. And uh, I went to my favorite supermarket the other day, and it was 28 bucks. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, this is, uh, this is, this is not right. So I bought, bought myself some pork, which also was overpriced, but not as bad as the ribeyes. <laughs> So um, we're at chicken wings at my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. same thing though, right? <laughs> so those prices went up and they stayed up. Okay, that's that sticky inflation is there. Right. Yeah. But you know what? So what that means is consumers can't buy as much other stuff. What are you talking about? Retailer sales shot up and they stayed up. Yeah. So no, that's not true. All of the stuff you're saying is not true. Be honest. You're worried that we're going to have to hope that the trend catches up with us faster than we see a downward correction. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the price of oil is really the, the, the driver right now, right? I mean, if, yeah. you, if you take that out, right, mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of flat. It is flat. Yeah. Yeah. But you bring up the price of oil, that is a legitimate. So that goes into the box of legitimate things. Right. And then the legitimate things, We've, whenever we have oil prices shoot up a lot and stay up for a certain amount of time, it varies by business cycle, we inevitably go into a recession. Consumers just can't keep running up their credit card bills to fill their car so they can go to work. It just, that doesn't work. So um, I am watching that very carefully. Yeah, $91, I think, you yeah. know, today. And so, um, and with the situation in in russia mm -hmm. um you know it there is a storyline that says that you know oil could stay up for a while right yeah so uh but the u.s has been kind of messing around with the opec guys yeah. we have a very large strategic petroleum reserve so we keep releasing a little bit here a little bit there so uh uh i think the oil price will stay higher because that's what the middle east guys want yep and, uh, but they also know, you know, we don't want to anger them too much because they're getting cozier and cozier with China. And, uh, but China would like low oil prices. And so they kind of buy more from Russia on a discount than they do from the Middle East. Right. But the bottom line is, is somehow the oil prices worked its way back up from the 60s into the 90s. If it keeps going, then we start getting worried. But again, it's, it's how long do oil prices go too high for us to afford them. Because if it's just for a couple of days, no big deal. A couple of weeks, yeah, not so bad. A couple of months, yeah, not so bad. A couple of quarters, hmm. A couple of years, oh crap, we're going into recession. And so, and this isn't where I, I thought this conversation was gonna go, but but fine. So, you know, yeah, what is that 
uh, you know, timeline. Because as we've said, you know, the, the recession has been predicted now for the last 12 months and mm-hmm. the oh. economy seems to be sort of chugging along pretty well. Exactly. So, you know, but why would you be concerned? Well, there's two things. One is the yield curve has been inverted. Okay. And I've shown you the chart before. When the yield curve inverts, inevitably there's a recession soon after. But when you look at the history of this, you know, indicator, uh, you find that in some some recessions it was almost. Uh, well, first of all, you don't get the recession until the yield curve uninverts. Right. So we have this yield curve is inverted, and everybody went it's recession. Yeah. Sorry, you have to wait for it to uninvert if you're going to use the yield curve slope as an indicator of us going into recession. And I believe it's still inverted. It is still inverted. Yeah. In fact, we could look it up on Fred, and I can I can show you. Uh, uh, interestingly or not, I looked at it this morning. <laughs> I knew you were coming in today. <laughs> so. It, it's, it is indicating that, and yeah, sooner or later, we'll go into a recession. I mean, for goodness sakes, we have one every so often, and you know, we do need to, the economy is restructuring, but this is where I put into the box of baloney. The restructuring of the U.S. economy is not an indication of recession. For example, more and more people are spending less and less time in offices. Right. Right. So the, it looks like the norm is going to be three days in the office, two days not in the office, and and every so often, not in the office all week, uh, but it's loosey-goosey. So we don't need as much office space. We got all these office buildings. Uh, downtown residential real estate's too expensive. And so one of the big restructurings that has to take place is, uh, is the office stuff. Uh, you sent me that article on that, that uh, tell me, what's the name of that building? It's beautiful. It's the kind of pyramidical one. And, uh, it was valued at 180 million in 2019, and it sold a few months ago for 60. Yeah, the banks that lent money against this had a big write-off. So you got so all of these write-offs are beginning to take place. In yeah, the and there's opposite. more of that coming. Yeah, oh, next, absolutely. Next two quarters, that that could be a, a little bit of the tipping point, right? Exactly. And yeah. you've got the Fed raising rates and creating financial instability. And when you look at the rate at which the Fed has been raising rates, it is the fastest since Bernanke. Right. And we know what happened with Bernanke. Yeah. In fact, I look back in time, back in the mid-90s, you might remember, we had that uh, worry about a recession in 1995 because in 94, Greenspan was out there raising rates to get rid of inflationary pressures. And we were all betting that 95, there'd be a recession. Do you remember the recession of 95? Mm. There was no recession in 95. It didn't happen. So chalk up one for the Fed for a soft landing. So that proves, A, it can be done. It can be done. Right. So then we got Bernanke, the PhD in economics, who got a Nobel Prize for fixing the economy that he screwed up royally. He blew up the economy, (laughs) and then he went and used the right policies to fix it. But he gets a Nobel Prize for that. Wait, I've got to take it away from the guy. He caused the mess. <laughs> now I know how to win one. I'm going to go ruin the economy and then fix it. And go, hey, where's my prize? But anyways, the second time, hard landing. We all remember 08, 09. I mean, we were you know, all looking for new jobs. Tough. So now we come to this lawyer masquerading as a Fed chairman. 
And uh, tell me what you really think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody who knows Poser. me knows. <laughs> I haven't used that line yet, but I've got to stop labeling that way. So this is this is legitimate. I mean, you could see the financial system really get hit hard. Um, so that's why I keep my eye right now on consumer credit, because as oil prices go up and stay up, a lot of people have these SUVs and trucks, et cetera, that, you know, they get more miles to the gallon. But the truth is you go to the gas station and you got to use your credit card. Nobody carries that much cash around to fill the tank. Right. So that's where I think um, uh, we have to pay close attention. I think the Fed is doing the same. But the other other thing that I get asked a lot is, what about the student loans? And uh, so the students are going to have to start paying on their loans. That's a topic we'll talk about later. But right now, it just adds to the debt service burden for the consumers. I will say that, you know, sort of anecdotally, it, it seems to me that the, the, the people that I'm working with that are our age, mm-hmm. We're all at a, at a point in time in 08 that, you know, while those scars have healed, they're still evident. Yes. It doesn't seem like that long ago. And so things that had I not been through 08, I would be doing now, I haven't done. So I've got a sort of a built-in governor mm-hmm. on our business, our expending, our, you know, debt, yeah, um, our in, retirement plans in terms of just you know overall operations, and it really, uh, I, I, to me, if there's a mitigating factor, it's the fact that you know we survived that, but mm-hmm. we certainly in no way have forgotten it. Exactly. And so there's a limit and sort of a a spread that you know is sort of taking the top off of you know sort of the the last three or four years where we could have bought, we could have extended ourselves in a way mm. that a lot of people have held back. And, and in my mind, maybe that's the difference between, I'm not gonna even suggest a soft landing, but the difference between a hard landing and a crash landing. Oh, absolutely. I wrote a note, I was working at Moffitt and Nickel at the time. And when Lehman Brothers blew up, that weekend, I wrote a note to all the executives, and I just said, we are likely to go into a debt deflation down spiral because when prices drop, you can't pay off your loans. Right. You know, I'm a farmer. I bought seeds, planted them. When the corn came out of the ground, the prices dropped so much, I couldn't even pay back the seed provider. Okay, so what happens then is I can't pay my debts. That means... Uh, I'm going to have to let the banks repossess my house, or like they did in the 30s, they repossessed the farms. And then I don't have the money. If I don't have the money to pay my mortgage, I don't have the money to go buy stuff. And if I'm not buying stuff, then the other companies have to fire staff because their profits are dropping. And they are now no longer able to pay their debts, and you get this wicked down spiral. That's the death spiral. Exactly. And that's what we were going into. And, yeah. and that's when Bernanke hit the panic button and worked his ass off to, to pardon the language, but, you know, to try to fix things. But remember, it wasn't not until 2016 till we returned to a normal feeling economy where a lot of folks could say, you want me to do something, here's my cost and here's the margin you have to pay me over. 
up until then, for all those seven years, you would somebody would say, I want you to do this, here's the price. Then I go to my greedy capital providers and I'd say, how much do you need out of this? And they take this chunk out. And then whatever was left, I had to figure out if I could do the project. Yeah. And that's price minus return. Those are the two states of the economy in my mind. And we were in price minus return for six, seven years. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a long drawn out process. And in that, in that reference, you're exactly right. It, it hasn't been that long that we've been back to normal. And then you take a couple of years out of that with mm -hmm. COVID. And it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe we get off and get on a maybe get on the merry-go-round a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Powell wants us to go back to the good old days of barely two percent wage increases and unemployment rate of over five percent. No, thank you, dude. Please retire. Go away. <laughs> well, I got a question for you on the next segment. Okay. Good being with you guys. All right. See y'all. Thanks, Walter.